I'd just like to tell you about three miracles that I've heard of recently. Um, who, which of you remember that Sean Brown had a whiplash injury? How many of you remember that? Do you remember the physiotherapist who spoke on the video about the remarkable change she saw in her after prayer? That lady came on Sunday for healing, for the music and miracles. And um, she, she was, obviously, she knew that God did miracles here because she testified to one. And so all those years, I don't know how many years it is, uh, how many would you reckon? 11 years? Okay, 11 years ago, she testified to that miracle, and then she came on Sunday for her own miracle. And God, she had had a heart attack, she had something, uh, something wrong with her blood, and she had arthritis. And God really touched her in all three areas last Sunday. So wasn't that wonderful? <laughs> and then another, um, on the last Music and Miracles, the lady came up to me. have I let myself in for? <laughs> and uh, so I said, no, I don't remember. So she said, no, last, last Music and Miracles, you came and anointed me with oil. Oh, yes, I did remember that. And then she said, well, I had an operation in one of my eyes for a cataract, and it was a complete failure, and I can't see out of that eye at all. And so they, wouldn't, they didn't dare do something with this other eye where I've got a cataract. And it was getting to the stage where I couldn't see out of that eye either. And she said, you anointed me with oil and I can see and I can read. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> and then... What was the third one? Oh, a, a dear lady who's come, uh, has only come twice to the church, once to the Music and Miracles and once last Sunday, who has cancer of the gullet. And uh, <clears throat> she was telling me about it. And she, when she came up for prayer on the Music and Miracles, she just, she's been in chemotherapy for 10 months. And she just said to me, Ruth, I'm so tired. And I know what that feels like because I had chemotherapy. You just get so exhausted. And uh, so I, I just felt tremendous compassion for her. I just put my arms around her. And she cried. And um, she said that all the pain in this area left. And all her energy has been restored. And this is what she told me last Sunday. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) 
So, God is good all the time. Amen? Right, today I'm going to talk about Hannah. So, if we'd like to turn to... um, 1 Samuel. And I've entitled this message, How Not to Pray. (laughs) I think I'll read the whole story because it's a lovely story at the beginning. Um, Now, there was a certain man of... Ramathiam Zophim of Mount Ephraim <clears throat> and his name was Elkanah the son of Jeroham the son of Elihu the son of Tohu the son of Zaph an Ephathrite <laughs> and he had two wives and the name of the other Penina and the name of one was Hannah and the name of the other Penina and Penina had children, and, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was, was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and daughters portions, But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, or a double portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary, that's nasty Penina, also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so every year, Year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look upon the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give give unto thine handmaid a man-child, Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it shall come to pass as she and it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart; only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away the wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, and have poured out my soul, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Baliel, 
For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the Lord of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And verse 20, Therefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. So wonderful, she got what she wanted from God. So why is it how not to pray? Well, it was several years, wasn't it? She had to put up with Penina. (laughs) She had to put up with all those nasty digs and all that uh, envy and jealousy provoking her. And she, every year, it would come round. And she got to the state where she dreaded that time of year coming round when they were going up to, the, to Shiloh to worship and praise God. Now, that shouldn't be what happens to us. We shouldn't dread going to the house of the Lord. We shouldn't dread going to church. We shouldn't have a situation that's so bothering us that we hate going to church. We hate going where God is. But Hannah had got to that stage. She, she couldn't bear it. She hated it. She stopped eating. She would cry. She would moan. And um, it just was a terrible situation for her. She just... oh got to her completely and uh, she says uh, she testifies of herself she says for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken (laughs) and if she testified that she had an abundance of complaint and grief you can imagine she certainly had an abundance of complaint and grief amen (laughs) and uh, so Her husband, Elkanah, says about him, he loved her very much. He really loved Hannah. So she had a loving husband. He cared for her. He looked after her. He tried to make it up to her that she didn't have children. He gave her a double portion when it came to giving a portion at the temple. He tried to help her. And he said to her, aren't I good enough to you, for you? Isn't my love good enough for you? Don't, isn't, what, isn't having me as your husband good enough for you? But for Hannah, no way. This was not good enough for her. She was in abundance of grief and complaint. And why I've called this how not to pray is because really this is where the whole situation lies. If we've got something that we really want from God, some situation we want to change, some situation like this, maybe you've got a, a relative who's not saved and you really dearly would love them to be saved. Or maybe you've got some situation in your life that you've been asking God for for years and he hasn't done it. 
the way you want. And people get to this stage where they start with an abundance of complaint, an abundance of grief, because God doesn't do what they want. And instead of going up to the house of the Lord with thankfulness for all the other things that she had, a loving husband, a husband who gave her a double portion, a husband who tried to make up to her that things had gone wrong, didn't happen in the way she wanted them to. She didn't thank God for all those things. She went with an abundance of grief and complaint. And when we get to the stage where we become so focused in on something that we want from God, very often we end up with an abundance of grief and complaint. Because we get to the stage where we think that God doesn't hear us, we get to the stage where we think that we deserve better, we get to the stage where we think, well, what's wrong with God? Why doesn't he hear me? I deserve for something better than this. How could he let me suffer like this all this time? And inside, our heart begins to mumble, groan, complain, go on and on and on, like a stuck record. I want this, I want this, I want this. And don't you think God just puts his fingers in his ear and says, oh, no, not again. (laughs) Because if it was, and God isn't like us, thank God for that. But if you just go on and on and on and on, he must get sick of hearing you. Sick of hearing me if we just go on with an abundance of complaint heard the first time. God knew what she wanted. He really did. He heard the first time. He knew. Isaiah says, before we call, he answers. And yet, she, Hannah, had got herself in a real fix. In verse 10, she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept very sore. Do you know what? God isn't impressed by our tears. (laughs) We think that maybe like children, if we turn on the tears, God will do something. So we try the tears. You know how the children do it? (laughs) <laughs> they can turn them on beautifully, can't they? Oh, down come the great big drops and the bottom lip starts to quiver. <laughs> and they think that by doing that, they'll get what they want. <laughs> they try it. <laughs> or then they try the big smile. <laughs> they try it to see if That'll work. But God isn't interested in the big smiles. He isn't interested in the abundance of tears. He isn't interested in the abundance of complaint. What is God interested in? He's interested in faith. Amen? Without, let's look at that in Hebrews. 
Hebrews 11 and verse 6. But without faith, let's all read it together. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. Must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God has not gone deaf. He always hears our prayers. He always hears our cry. Whenever I go out with somebody who comes from, for the music of miracles, comes out for a miracle to be prayed for, I always ask them when I take them out, have you prayed? And they look at me. Sometimes they, their first answer is, oh, no, I haven't prayed. Because that's such a foreign concept to them. And I say to them, no, think about it. Have you prayed? Well, sometimes they say, well, yes, I suppose I... It, I haven't actually voiced it in so many words, but inside, I've prayed. Because I like to get them to see that God heard them and that this miracle that they received is a result of their prayer. Because that brings tremendous faith to people, that God actually does answer prayer. And so, this is what, God loves to see, he loves to see that we have faith in him, that he does answer prayer, he does hear us, and when we cry, he answers. When we've got a problem, he has the solution, but he likes us to come with faith, believing that he has the answer, with faith, believing that he heard you the first time, with faith, believing that he's not deaf, with faith believing that you don't have to cry and cry and cry and cry and go on and on and on and on and on until he hears you, with faith believing that he loves you, with faith believing that he cares, with faith believing that he always give us what we need, always. We might have to wait, but he'll always give us what we need. And that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What have you been praying for for years? And what is your attitude inside to that thing you've been praying for? Has it become a question of soreness, bitterness, Inside, just goes on churning round and round and round and round and round. 
Or is it a matter of faith? Lord, I've prayed. I believe you heard me. I'm expecting the answer. I don't mind when it comes, but I'm expecting the answer. If it's now, thank God. If it's later, thank God. But I'm expecting the answer. Because I know when I pray, you hear me. You are the rewarder of them that diligently seek you. All our prayers must be prayers of faith. God is not impressed with anything other than faith. Sarah, she had to believe for years and years and years that she was going to have a baby. <laughs> and when finally they, they came and told her she was, <laughs> oh, she was so shocked she laughed. <laughs> she said, that's crazy. How can I do that? Now it's well, well beyond possible. <laughs> it's a mess. <laughs> but God loves faith. That's what this whole chapter is about in Hebrews. He loves faith. He loves to see his children believe that he is a loving heavenly father and that he will do what we ask him to. Let's look back in um, 1 Samuel. There's something different about Hannah's prayer this time. Instead of crying and just crying and complaining, she vows a vow to God. She starts to speak to God instead of moaning at him. <laughs> up to that point the only thing she'd ever said to him was complaints moan 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 groan 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 complaint 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 and god was fed up with his listening to her but this is different something got through to her she realized after a long time that this she was not going about it the right way so this time she thinks of something different and she vows a vow. And in this vow, she sees the end result. She says, God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. That's faith. She sees the end result. She says, God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. Instead of complaining, 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 this time her attitude has changed. She's starting to think positively. She's starting to think that maybe God will give her what she wants. She's starting to 
think positively and the fact that God loves her, cares for her, and will actually answer her prayer. She says, God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And when she prayed that prayer, the whole situation changed. She had to go through a bit of a tough time because Eli thought she was drunk and uh, said to her and told her off, said, you shouldn't be here in the temple drunk like that. Give up the wine. (laughs) And uh, she must have felt so mortified, so mortified. And uh, she was telling Eli, she says, I haven't touched a drop. I haven't touched a drop. Honestly, Eli, I haven't. I really haven't. I'm just, I've just had, had it up to here. I've had such a terrible time. I'm in such distress. Maybe I look drunk, but I'm not drunk. I'm in distress. But Eli speaks the word of the Lord to her. Let's look at that. Then in verse 17, then Eli answered and said, go in peace and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. There, that's her answer. She took that as a word from God. She knew from that moment on that she would have a son. She projected the idea in faith. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. She projected the idea in faith of her having a son and that if God gave her a son, she would give him back. Faith is the evidence of things not seen and then the substance of things hoped for. And then God gave her the answer. He said to her, Through Eli, your petition is granted. What you've asked for, you're going to get. A son. At last. What you've asked for all these years, because you've asked in faith, you're going to get what you asked for. You're going to get what you asked for. And she heard the word of the Lord. She went home. She ate. She drank. She got happy, and then she had a son. And she did what she said she would do. She gave her son to the Lord. So the important thing to learn from this story is don't get all negative about what you haven't got from God. Don't get all moany about what you haven't got from God. Maybe you're a a single girl. You want a husband. It's not going to impress God if you cry and moan at him. What are you going to do? God loves you. He'll provide a husband for you. 
He did for me. I was a single girl once. <laughs> long, long years ago. I said to the Lord, I made, I tried to, to find a husband and I'd made a mess of several relationships. And I was fed up with my efforts because it hurt. <laughs> and so finally, I said to God, all right, when I read that scripture, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing, I thought, what am I doing going looking around looking for a husband? It's the husband who's going to find me. So I said to the Lord, okay, I'll give up looking and I'll let you find my husband. I won't go out with anyone else. I won't even look at another man. You find your, my husband for me. Six months later, I was in a meeting, 4,000 people. You all know the story. I saw Michael on the balcony and God spoke to me and said, that's the man you're going to marry. He loves you. He cares. What do you do? Do you go on and on and on at him about a husband? Or do you surrender and say to him, all right, Lord, I know you know I need a husband. I'm waiting. In faith, expecting. Not moaning on and on and on. What is it? Do you want a baby? For some people this story is very poignant it's very difficult for them to have children are you like Hannah all the time your husband fed up with you (laughs) why aren't I good enough for you don't I love you enough And you go on and on and on and on. What is it that you really want from God that you keep on and on about? Do you ask in faith, believing? Or are you a misery guts who goes nag, 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 nag the whole time? Which is it? Because you you won't get what you want. While you nag. (laughs) Because God doesn't like nagging women. (laughs) I believe Gary used to call Christians God botherers. (laughs) Have you heard that term? (laughs) That's very good description of what people do to God. They pray on and on and on. They bother and bother and bother and bother God. Thinking that in the end he'll just do it just to shut them up. But God isn't moved by any of that. 
He's not impressed by any of that. He loves you. But all he wants to see is that faith arising in your heart. Before you've asked, he's answered. Let's look at that in Isaiah. Isaiah 65. Talking about the new covenant. Let's look at verse 21. And they shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. And they shall not build and another inhabit, they shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are, the days of my people and and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain. Nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Look at all those wonderful promises. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are, the days of, are the days of my people. And mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Those are wonderful promises of God. But this is so special. Before they speak, I've answered. I had a funny incident last Saturday. We were so busy with um, some meetings that I'm afraid I have a one-track mind and I've forgotten all about having to get ready for Sunday lunch, ordering the meat, getting the vegetables and doing those things. I hadn't even thought about it, let alone thought, oh, I must do that. <laughs> and just as the meeting finished, Carol Veal rang me up and she said, would you like to come to lunch tomorrow? I thought, whoa, <laughs> that's fantastic. I haven't even prayed about it, but God's <laughs> heard before I've cried and he's given me an answer because I was too late to go out shopping. I hadn't even about it it was too late to go and get some meat it was too late to go and get some vegetables but God knew I was just so thrilled he knew before I'd cried before I'd asked he'd answered I hadn't even thought about it it hadn't even occurred to me that we needed lunch on Sunday (laughs) you see he's so wonderful So, so wonderful. He's a loving Heavenly Father. He loves to give his children good gifts. How much more 
Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? That's in Luke 11. How much more? How much more? He loves you. He longs to do the things that you want him to. If you're a parent, you know what you... You love to give your children good gifts. You love to think of something that will really surprise them and they'll be thrilled about. You love it. How much more do you think your Heavenly Father loves to do those things? Before you've asked, he's answered. Don't let your heart get to the state where you're grieving and complaining and moaning and, and you're full of bitterness. Maybe you have started a new venture in business. What does the, what does the verse, verses there say? And mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. That's God's promise. Mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Within these days, when all this worry about pensions and all the worry about things not working out, we know that we have a God who provides That doesn't mean to say you need to be silly and not provide for yourself. But what I'm saying is we know that God cares and that he provides and he'll look after us. How much more will your heavenly father provide for you when he cares for the sparrows and he cares for the plants? That's what it says in Matthew chapter 6. How much more? How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? How much more will your Heavenly Father care for those things that you need, whatsoever you need to put on, to eat and to drink? He'll take care of those things. He will let you enjoy the fruit of your labor all the days of your life. He really will. But Don't let your heart start moaning and complaining. Let God see faith arise. Let God see whenever you're faced with a difficulty, whenever you're faced with a problem, whenever you're faced with what seems to be impossible, what God longs to see is faith coming up in your heart and saying, well, God answered my, this situation in this fashion last time. This time he's going to answer me in another way, but he's going to answer me. Because faith is built by what happened previously. And if we forget how good God was, has been previously, we've got nothing to build our faith upon. But if you keep those things in remembrance all the wonderful things that he's done for you, all the fantastic ways in which he answered your prayers in the past, then you've got that foundation to build upon each time. And you know that no matter what situation you face, God's going to have the answer. 
Because he was faithful before. Because he answered you before. Because like on Sunday, I hadn't even thought about what I was going to do for lunch, but he knew. He takes care of all the details. He loves you. You say to him, well, why does God care about your Sunday lunch? (laughs) I don't know, but he does. He does. He cares about every detail. Every single detail. When Sarah was born so sick and uh, God healed her at at nine months and she improved tremendously. In a year, she caught up two years of her life. But all that she had left was horrible straw-like hair. And uh, it used to kind of stick out. There was nothing I could do with it. And... uh, (laughs) I said to the Lord one day, oh, can't you do something about this hair? And I forgot about it. And we went on a round-the-world trip, preaching trip, with um, some ministers that we knew at the time. And we were away for six weeks. And in that six weeks, poor Peter and Carolyn had the awful thing that Sarah's hair all fell out. Can you imagine what that felt like, looking after someone else's child and the hair falls out? Oh, dear. Can you imagine what they must have thought? Oh, Ruth's going to come back. Oh, dear. Do you know, when I saw her, I remembered what I'd said to God. It wasn't even a prayer. I said, oh God, can't you do something about this hair? And what grew in its place? The most beautiful golden curls. God finished the job completely. He cares. He cares for every detail. He really does. How much more will your heavenly Father take care of what you will eat and what you will drink and what you will put on? How much more? And mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord, and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Amen. God bless you all.